Hello and welcome to Cold Games, Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord community patron. This podcast focuses on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korvar. And I'm Kikita Kaori. And we have a guest today, the DG Laderud, author of Trail of Shadows. And the, that's the Crab Clan novella that was just released. And uh, you also worked on Deathly Turns and The Last Leaf Falls. So welcome to our show. Thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> How's life treating you in a COVID sort of world? Um, actually, uh, not too badly. I, I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm kind of fortunate. I live in a part of the world where um, there have been very, very few cases. I think uh, in our our district here in the province of Ontario, there's been just over 100 cases and one death. So um, we we haven't really um, certainly haven't experienced the issues that 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 some folks have in in other parts of the world. So fortunate that way. And and honestly, since I'm mainly a freelance writer. Um, my life hasn't changed very much. I, I do all my work at home, basically alone and in silence anyway. So, um, so yeah, it, it, it re- really it hasn't made a lot of difference. The one thing that we have discovered, my wife and I own a, a game uh, and hobby store and a used bookstore. It turns out that games, books, and puzzles are exactly the kinds of things people want at, you know, in this type of environment. So, yeah, so it's been busy. So, so I would have to say, for, for with all due deference to the fact that there are folks out there that have found this COVID thing very, very difficult, I'm I've been fortunate. Yeah, I know. I know some people have had their lives completely turned upside down. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Trail of Shadows has just come out relatively recently, as of this recording. Crab Clan novella. Yes. And uh, you also worked on Deathly Turns. I did. And uh, we've. Also, in terms of recently, uh, Lastly Falls is the most recent fiction. Yeah, several things kind of converged here. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we don't want to do any spoilers, certainly on, on Trail of Shadows or Deathly Turn. Right. Because they're obviously very new and, you know, people have to go out and buy them and stuff like that. Not everyone's they had a chance so to read They are so new that, it, ironically, I don't have a copy of the novella yet. <laughs> it, has, it hasn't actually showed up, so I have not seen the finished product, which which is which I think is kind of amusing. I mean, I mean, obviously, I, I have the original manuscript, but uh, you know, if there were any tweaks or anything made to it afterwards, I haven't seen them. So, uh, so that's okay. That's okay. So this story is mostly about uh, Hida Sukune, uh, who is a character we see from the old lore before coming into this. Since we can't talk about too many spoilers, what were your thoughts on the Hina Sukuni story that was in old lore, kind of compared to now? Huh. Well, I, I'll be blunt. I I really felt that poor Sukuni got kind of um, the the he got he got kind of screwed over in the old yeah. story. Yeah. He, he unfortunately ended up being more of a plot device than a character. Um, I mean, you know, he was this more, brilliant, more or less literally. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was this this uh, brilliant tactician uh, who who commanded an army that that fought uh, at Baden Pass a couple of times, and I think he got uh, I think he got his ass kicked by uh, Tuaturi um, one or both of those times, and then and then he was kind of sacrificed to the Shadowlands and nailed to the terrible standard of Fulang, Which I mean, yuck, you know, like yeah, I I. I 
even at the time, I thought, wow, I wish I had known more about this character. I wish I got to know, know more about this 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 guy who who suffers from chronic health issues and and isn't strong in a family that is noted for its strength. Yeah, yeah. When your dad's the great bear, yeah, you're you're not. Yeah, you're exactly exactly not yeah. that. Yeah, and so so. So unfortunately, he didn't get a lot of uh, a lot of really good time on screen. So when this opportunity came around, one of the one of the first decisions I had to make was who the point of view character was going to be, and um, it was relatively easy. I I I basically decided it was going to be um, one of Casada's kids, um, either either Yakimo uh, Oishi or or Sukune. And and as soon as I thought about that, I I, I found myself going, oh, it's got to be Sukune. He's he's got to be the, he he is by far the the most. All due respect to the folks who love the, the other two siblings, <laughs> but to me, Sukune just uh, is, is such an interesting character. So, um, oh, there's some people out there that just love Oushi in particular. I, I, <laughs> yes, I have seen people saying they've read the novella, but only the pages with Oushi in them. <laughs> uh huh. I um made sure that that uh i wanted to include one of the other siblings too so so i thought about the two of them and again i thought uushi was was an interesting one because she seems to uh, kind of straddle the boundary between her older brother's mercurial you know nature as as a as a, as a very very aggressive warrior and her younger brother's you know being more of an intellectual and and more thoughtful and and more measured about how he approaches life so so i thought she she was the the, the sort of the other main supporting character i'd include along with kuniyori and and uh, so i had the three of them and and that seemed to work out you know that seemed to work out really well. I, I was able to get these three characters to sort of come to life for me. So that so yeah yeah I'm I I don't regret choosing Sukuni at all. I think he was uh, uh, he was a really interesting character to spend time with. It's an interesting family. It is say. family in Rokugan is problematic. You know, you, you look around the empire and you see a lot of instances of, of like, you know, Kachiko and Shosuro Himetsu who regularly try to kill one another. Um, you know, you know, Shoju doesn't really get along with his wife all that well these days. Um, the uh, Kuanan and, and Hoteru definitely don't see eye to eye. And, and there, you know, there's a lot of family strife and so on. So I, I thought it would be more interesting to portray this as a relatively close knit family. I mean, they got their issues. You know, like Yakimo is, uh, he, he's a he's a pretty headstrong guy. And he's the kind of guy that would be that, you know, sort of dominant older brother archetype. Um, yeah. Um, but, um, and then Kasada raised these kids basically as a single parent, you know, I mean, realistically, he's a clan champion. There were, there were, you know, all kinds of other people, nannies and scholars and, and, you know, uh, senseis and everything involved, but, but as a parent figure, he was what they had. So, um, yeah, I, I think, I think they're a really, uh, I think they're a really good family. I kind of want to ask a snarky question. How difficult was it to write a Legend of the Five Rings character who actually has a living parent? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's being noticed as well, yeah. Well, I, the thing about Sukuni is, it, right away, when I think about putting myself in the head of the character, it would be, okay, so I'm this, I'm this guy who struggles, you know, day to day because I'm not in very good health. Um, I have a lot of chronic health problems, and my father is the great bear. Right, so I think Sukuni is is probably motivated 
um, by the the, uh, the the father figure in his life a lot. He he, I, I think he he desperately wants to prove himself to his father. He desperately wants to measure up, and um, so so you know I, that that puts him in the position of obviously as a as a subordinate to his father, respecting him and offering him deference. But I think he. I think he has genuine affection for his father. He he respects his father not just as the leader of the the, the, the clan, but as as a as a man and as his as his dad. So that really colored the uh, early in the book when Kisada um, decides what Sukuni as Sukuni's role is going to be. I mean, I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying he's going to lead this expedition to retrieve Adarashi's lost armor because that's kind of the the high concept of the book. It's on the back of the book, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I tried to have a little bit of that come through when they're they're having that that conversation, um, and then again, again without spoilers. But obviously, there is a resolution, and Casada is involved in it. And I tried to bring that back in again. Yeah, yeah. So not just a living parent, but but one that has definitely been, I think, part of his life. Shocking, shocking that this is allowed in in my not in my L five R. In uh, in addition to this family relations kind of theme going on in this story, there's there's also a theme of like the old guard versus the new guard, or the old way of doing things versus newer ways going on. Conflict being set up with the crab here. What are your your thoughts on that theme? How are you trying to explore that theme? Well, that uh, that theme. It comes from probably a, a, a fairly interesting source. Um, I'm I'm I, I have a spent many years in the military in the in the Canadian uh, Army in the reserves in in the infantry. So I have a military background, and and I'm I'm therefore you know kind of really into military history. And there's always been this this thought kind of kicking around in the back of my head that you know in in many ways the crab are like. Are, are like France in the 1930s. World War One had taught the French military that that war was a thing of position and a, a thing of formulas, a thing a, almost almost a thing that you could you could treat as a science and you could plug numbers in to equations and you could get answers out. So they built. Um, I'm sure many people have heard of the Maginot Line. It's a it was a line of of uh, truly impressive fortifications, an almost unbroken line that went from the Swiss border up to the southern edge of the Ardennes Forest, and it was intended to keep Germany out of France. It did that really well until the Germans just went around it, and and then the French army proved to be utterly incapable of of dealing with the the, the pace of the German advance into France, and and they just they they uh, the Germans got well inside the the French what we call a decision loop they they were making decisions faster than the french possibly could so so they ended up dominating the battle and i thought you know boy that reminds me of the crab because the crab are relying on a single you know sort of positional defense this long unbroken wall that that stretches from the ocean to right to the edge of the plains above evil it's very very strong it's a very very imposing structure but the problem is that it's also brittle if it gets compromised one has to wonder, you know, how much capacity do the do the crab have to absorb, you know, a major incursion through this wall? Because um, since it was created at the time of the Maw, it's never yeah. really been broken. So, yeah, yeah. They, they kind of lost their crumple zone because they they the original wall 
was actually like the Hederlands, sorry, not the, the Harumalands, and all those kind of places that had watchtowers and they had defense in depth and they traded space for time yeah. and all that good stuff. But then the more, and then they had to use the wall. They didn't, ha- now they don't have that. So, yeah, what happens next? That's right. They def- uh, the, 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 the crab originally defended in a very flexible way. And the problem is that, that circumstances, when, when that didn't work anymore, when the maw showed up, not just with a horde, but with a horde that was well led, they weren't able to, they weren't able to hold it back. And they, and, and they fell back to the river last stand and Kuni Osaku did her thing and, and held the river up for 78 days or something like that to stop the Shadowlands and they built the Carpenter wall and it worked. And, and as they say, nothing succeeds like success and the wall has stood ever since unbroken. So I, I think that what the, the, the conflict that gets, starts getting mirrored out here is that people like Sukuni, Sukuni is a brilliant tactician. And I think he sees this, he sees that this is a, a serious flaw in the way that the crab are defending the empire. And um, and having seen that, he's begun to advocate, well, we need to do things differently. We can't always just stand in a line and defend. We can't always rely on this rigid positional defense. And, and, and we can't just rely on perseverance and, and courage and, and strength and sacrifice because the crab do that and, and, and we love them for it. But I mean, ultimately, that's a that's a road to... Um, well, literally a road to hell, actually, because um, the crab can only keep doing this for so long. They get weaker, the shadow lines get stronger. He's got an interesting ally in uh, Kuniyori in that for a new guard <laughs> linchpin. Well, I, I thought I thought it was really it would be really interesting to put the two of them in close proximity because Yori was instrumental in getting him uh, sacrificed in in the original story. So I wanted to bring the two into close proximity and have them have a chance to interact. And um, ironically, they both kind of believe the same thing. Yori, Yori also believes that the crab are on a road to uh, ultimate damnation because mainly for the same reasons. He, 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 he thinks that stone and blood are great, but in the end, they're not going to be enough. It's just that where I think Sukuni and Yori probably diverge is is in the so what part of it, you know. So I, again, I don't want to spoil anything. This becomes a crucial question later in the book. But I mean, ultimately, Yori believes that you know, do what you must, and that you know, he's obviously doing things that. Well, it's it's not a spoiler to say that we found out that he's tainted. Although that it, that happens in a story that is actually set after this book. Yeah, and so so Yori is prepared to do whatever he has to, you know, literally whatever he has to in order to save the uh, the crab clan and, and and the empire. And you know, Sukuni is kind of pragmatic about it as well, but the it remains to be seen, you know, how far Sukuni is is willing to go. And that's where when I when I originally talked to Katrina about this, we 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 discussed that how Yori and, and Oushi during the course of the story would sort of become the 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 angel and the devil on Sukuni's shoulders. One of them advocating, you know, sort of one approach and the other one, you know, advocating a more traditional approach. Um, you know, Oushi is not married to the idea of holding uh, a, a an unbroken wall the way that other crab might be, but she definitely, that's what she knows. 
and and it's worked it's worked for a th- you know it's worked ultimately for a thousand years the, or the the new, the new wall has worked for the past i don't know 2 300 whatever it is yeah so it, g- it gives an opportunity to throw sukuni between these two and then have forced him to make decisions in the middle of the shinoman forest with you know th- these two sort of saying well you should do this you should consider that you should think about this so yeah an interesting dilemma for, for people to find out how it all it all pans out Interesting dilemmas make the best stories. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm a huge fan of Kubo and the Two Strings, so I love Gosh Adokoro. <laughs> um, those are the so, those are the, the huh? ginormous skeletons. Is that right? Those are the ginormous skeletons. So, um, you, it is. Uh, yes. It is. It's a bit of a. It's it's not really a spoiler that one such one features in your story. So I was wondering if you could describe um, describe how you see see this particular being in your story. Well, there's a really great site um, <laughs> that I do highly recommend to anyone interested in in Japanese um, folklore and and and, and um, mythology. It's called it's called yokai.com. Y o k a i dot com. Uh, I I use it. A lot when I need to find interesting supernatural things uh, to put into stories, and um, I, I've been familiar with the Gashatakoro for for you know a long time. It's 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 quite well known. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's it's obviously a construct of of bone uh, and an amalgamation of the scattered bones of of those who have been uh, the people who died. In, in, in sort of lonely and forgotten deaths, people who die in forgotten battles, people who die in famines and plagues and things like that, where you tend to get a lot of relatively anonymous victims, they die and en masse, and their spirits can can subsequently come together and, and motivate their remains into sort of this gigantic skeletal construct, a skeleton made of skeletons, I guess. And since this one happens to be located in a swamp, um, I decided that uh, when I envision this thing, I envision as much mud and, and slime and, and muck as bone. So it's kind of, um, uh, you know, if you can imagine that there's, that there's bone protruding through this, this column of muck and, and, and swamp dirt and, and mud and stuff, uh, that, that's kind of how I envisioned this thing. And, and I mean, it's, they are... You know, something like that would be extraordinarily powerful. Um, and I'm not going to get any further into it than that because that starts to tread into spoiler territory. So, so just just to say that I think it makes a great um, a great character, quote unquote, to have appear in the story. One of the decisions I had to make early on was where the novel was going to be set, and the first choice, uh, you know, obviously tends to be, well, it's going to be Shadowlands. This is about the crab, right? Um, but I don't know. I, I found myself trying to get excited about, um, I came up with an early idea where uh, a, a rather strange deposit of jade had been discovered in the Shadowlands. So the crab decide to send out an expedition to secure it and, and, and mine the crap out of it as fast as they can and then get back to the wall. And that was okay, but, but, you know, it didn't, it didn't really land. And I know that, uh, Katrina, um, you know, she, she went through it and she kind of went, eh, yeah, okay. You know, so when I looked around and thought, well, where else could I put this that would, that would fit the, the theme? Of course, there are Shadowlands, there are tainted swamps in the Shinoman forest. There have been for a long time. And it was kind of like, ding, there we go. 
there is the place to put this. Put put this in the Shinoman forest because it's a it's a new and and it's an alien realm for the crab too. You know, like like the crab are are used to the Shadowlands. They're not used to dealing with this spirit haunted you know primal wilderness of of the Shinoman forest. So it it gave me an opportunity to really play around with the setting. And uh, yeah, so so um, it it uh, it 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 resulted in me being able to set it at least partly in the Shadowlands without actually setting it in the Shadowlands and involving the wall. You also did a lot with, um, I mean, I don't know if this is getting to spoilers, uh, Nezumi show up. Were you using any particular references for the little fuzzy friends? Uh, yeah, if you're worried about spoilers, maybe just put something up front saying, if you are worried about any spoilers for the book, just skip to whatever time, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, the Nezumi, yeah, well, yes. Um, the the Nizumi were 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 fantastic. I I really enjoyed writing about them. The um, uh, I I don't know if it's a spoiler that they're in the book or not, and I'm not going to say a lot about their role. Um, I, well, aside from I think it's spoiled in on the back of the book that the Nizumi are the ones who find the the Kikyo, the the um, the lost army armor that uh, Asano Wo made for his brother Arashi. And so they're the ones who come to the, the crab about this. And it means that it, it let me introduce the, the Nizumi and keep them in the story uh, the whole time. And because the Tattered Ear live in the Shinoman Forest, uh, and they're the tribe that's featured in this, it, it gave me an opportunity to have somebody, somebody who knows more about the environment than the crab did to actually, you know, be a, a major part of the story. And and it was a lot of fun to write about them. I mean, the, the Nizumi are, in many respects, are kind of adorable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can see that how quickly everyone latched on to uh, Spike. Spike yeah. in the gut. I mean, everyone yeah. just went, she's amazing. We love her. Just like immediately. Like there was just no hesitation whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's people. People like these quirky characters that are inherently adorable. I mean, um, I still get comments about Fumio, the damned cat, from her father's <laughs> daughter. <laughs> and and uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love cats, but you know, he he was never intended to have the profile that he. Does. <laughs> um, as for where I got 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 this stuff like what, what did i use as references or whatever for them um yeah boy that's the basically my own experience with them back in in the old version of the game um they they i, I played nizumi decks in the in the collectible card game um i had a friend who played a nizumi in a role-playing game that i ran um and i i just i i guess that i just kind of got to be familiar with them and um decided that uh you know how they had been portrayed in the past was a good starting point but you'll notice that that people who read it will will notice if you if you're familiar with the old nizumi they they had a very specific way of talking they tended to repeat words and and i think some of that was actually i think there was some influence from um the skaven in in warhammer the uh wouldn't surprise me yeah, if I can mention another company's game, uh, I, I think that the Skaven, the 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 rat people in in Warhammer, had, had some influence on whoever originally designed the Nizumi. So, anyways, we wanted to make them, you know, I guess rustic, but also 
you know, not n- not dumb, not um, not not you know, hayseeds or anything. They they're a product of their environment, and they're very very good at what they do. You know, so uh, I think it's safe to say that without the Nizumi, the crab would have had some real problems in the Shinoman forest. Well, yeah, yeah, and life in general. Actually, Nizumi have been very helpful to the crab over the years. They have, yeah, and. Um, you know, and, and it was also an opportunity to, because we've seen, um, you know, uh, Crackbone and, and um, uh, whatever the other t- tribes are that, that live sort of in and around the wall and in the Shadowlands, the, this, the Tattered Ear are different. They, they're they the only tribe that doesn't live in the Shadowlands. So, so again, it got to portray something different about uh, this, this race of, uh, of, of people, you know, like they're not human, but they're still people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever played one yourself? I mean, you played the the decks, but have you played one in in a game? A I did. Game? I played one in a uh, online role playing game some years ago that that was uh, uh, run sort of from the. It was the refugees from Winter Court One, <laughs> who had you know a bunch of people who got a taste for role playing and, and wanted to keep doing it when Winter Court One ended. So I ended up going and 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 playing a uh, a Nizumi in that. Uh, actually, two Nizumi. I played a. Um, I played a, a small. Sorry, I think I played a rememberer. Um, although in the old in the old story, the Nizumi used to be incapable of remembering things. Um, they had they had very poor short term memories, so they had designated rememberers who kind of remembered stuff for them. I didn't want to portray them that way this time, so the rememberer in this case is simply a keeper of um, the the sort of oral history of the tribe and and passes it along to future rememberers, and you know more like a storyteller than literally the you know the memory of the tribe i really liked that uh that change so yes i did and i really enjoyed it um but I, I, that's the only nozimi character i've i've ever played i i think and uh yeah so it probably had an influence on how i portrayed um the nozimi in the book yeah now with these novellas there's generally a, a section at the end which is if, if you get the physical book there's a kind of game supplement portion yeah the co- the color insert I think is the the in- internal name used for it yeah 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 so I don't know if you had much to do that yourself I wrote um, it <laughs> oh, so a little bit you had a little bit of a, <laughs> a small yeah. small influence on it I think the folks at Fantasy Flight might have done a little bit of revising and editing which is perfectly fine I mean they pay me to write it and it's their product so. Um, I'll know when I finally get the book, but, but I, get a, <laughs> I get a sense that they did make a few tweaks and changes to it. So I don't know. Um, I know what I wrote and I know that at least a little bit of it was changed. Um, but yes, I, I, I actually wrote that. Yeah. Oh, cool. So any kind of hints and teasers for that, that might entice someone who hasn't already decided to rush out and buy it immediately? Oh well, I mean, there's a if you if you're interested in the lore of uh, the empire, um, there there's there, there's a ton of it in there. I, I don't I don't think people will learn a lot of new stuff about the crab per se. That that you got to remember that 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 from Fantasy Flight's point of view, somebody could pick this book up and and have never seen the setting before. Yes. Yeah. Um. So so that that color supplement in the back really you know gives them sort of a here's a thumbnail overview of what's going on in this book. Uh, I don't think it's included in the digital version. No, I haven't been thus far anyway. That that I think is probably a marketing thing, just to encourage people to buy the physical product um, and to reward them for doing so. I would imagine. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I guess that uh, one of the one of the and I've seen some discussion about it. So I, this is already being kind of spoiled out there. Is is um, Osana Woe's um, parentage um, in the old story? He was very explicitly the the um, son of the uh, um, Hida, uh, the Kamihita, and the Thunder Dragon, and. And um, I, I always kind of wondered, you know, c- considering the role that dragons play, particularly in fantasy flight story, dragons are the, the, the elemental dragons, the celestial dragons are, are the very top. They're the pinnacle of the celestial order. They are they are the gods. They are the, the truly divine figures. And um, I know that fantasy flight, I, I don't think, intends for them to have much of a direct role in the game or in the setting. Um, so I just found myself wondering, how is it that Osana Wo, you know, uh, who is born of a a, um, a dragon and a, and a kami, has a kid, you know, Kametsu Uo, and so his grandmother is a celestial dragon, and his grandfather is a uh, a, a, a kami. Why why then are the mantis simply a minor clan? It, it it always struck me as a little odd. You'd think that they would have a somewhat different status than that. Whether they'd be a great clan or whether they'd be more like a, a like like an imperial family or, or or something, always struck me as kind of odd. There's a lot of history in between Asanawo and where we are now, including some kidnapping and an attempted stabbing. Yeah, oh no, no, I know <laughs> Guzai and all that kind of stuff. I know. Uh, what I'm saying is that from the get go. When the clan, when the Mantis clan was first founded, why was it, you know, how did it come to be founded the way it was and, and it wasn't recognized as something else? And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm staying well clear of the, you know, should the Mantis be a great clan or not debate because people can get very passionate about that. And as one of the writers who may end up having to write anything, I, I'm not going to take any sides in this. I just think it, it was more interesting to have the um, to have Osanowo's mother uh, be a high priestess or a high priest, I guess, of the uh, of the the Thunder Dragon, which then lets one you know speculate. Well, what you know, what influenced it? You know, did the dragon exert its influence through her? Is you know, you know, it becomes a little more ambiguous, and and therefore I think it becomes a bit more of an interesting question as to where the Mantis Clan. You know, considering where it's gone, where should it go? And um, and I and I on it. I don't know. I don't know what what fantasy flight intends. I have no doubt that Yoritomo himself believes he's descended directly from the Thunder Dragon. But you know, that's because he's Yoritomo. And <laughs> well, and yeah, and he he may he may be right. He may actually be right. That's that's kind of the point. Rather than it being explicitly true, and and opening this question is how how could you have that kind of lineage? you know, that kind of bloodline in your lineage, that of a, a celestial dragon, and not have it set you apart in some way. Like I say, not necessarily a great clan, maybe something more like an imperial family or something more like um, uh, a religious order or, or, you know, like the Brotherhood of Shinsei or something like that. So, whereas this, I think, sort of, you know, opens the door to being more ambiguous and ambiguity creates conflict and conflict creates stories. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's take a moment and turn and talk about Deathly Turns. Um, so oh, yes. in yeah. this, yes, in this, we again, we don't want spoilers. This is even harder not to spoil because you never know what's going to happen if you're a player listening to it. 
however, this is an RPG module associated with uh, the Celestial Realms uh, and Wheel of Judgment, which is the role-playing game with it. And in it, you play, uh, a, I don't think that it's much of a spoiler, uh, a post-death samurai. And this is some other little yes. things you can have while having your post-death samurai adventures. Uh, so Adventures After Death sounds super fun to write. Uh, where would you go if you could wander around in the afterlife? Where would you want to visit? Oh, my God. Uh, almost nowhere. <laughs> these realms, <laughs> these, these spirit realms, that, that, that they'd be terrifying. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the realm of blessed ancestors. You know, Yomi, Yomi sounds pretty good. Um, one assumes that in the realm of blessed ancestors, things are, are you know, rather... Nice. <laughs> yeah, at least one hopes, right? You know, uh, but for the rest of them, oh my God, Gakido, um, Toshigoku, God, the, the, you know, like Jigoku? No, obviously those are all not even on the table. Even, even Chikshudo, you know, the realm, the, and Sakaku, which I think are now sort of flip sides of the same spirit realm. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. Even, even that would be a little problematic because one presumes that, that animals, you know, in their essential spiritual forms probably aren't really all that compatible with people and human motivations and desires and so on. So, um, yeah, you know, um, the realm of blessed ancestors, the celestial heavens themselves, they all sound pretty good. But just about anywhere else in the afterlife is going to be probably some version of horrifying. Yeah, I guess I guess the other thing you could do too is if, that if you're literally a tourist and you had had a, a means of sort of you know popping into a realm, looking around for a bit, going, yeah, okay, that's all I need to see of this, you know, like like Gakido is explicitly described as the dreariest, most m- most monotonous, boring realm in existence. You know, it probably doesn't take too long to you know do the tour. Um, and you know, like, like that. Sure, that kind of thing. I, I, you know, I may be able to do see them from you know a helicopter tour or something of these realms, <laughs> so I don't actually have to land and 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 interact with anything. But um, yeah, yeah. No, but it is it is fun to write about the afterlife, and I think that one of the things I, I enjoy most about it is the uh, rather world weary bureaucracy that um, or afterworld. Uh, uh, world bureaucracy that uh, fantasy flight has sort of created for for the afterlife it it, it is the mazoku um mazoku yeah the mazoku the the sort of bureaucrats and enforcers and stuff of the afterlife come across as they come across as you know harried bureaucrats which is kind of kind of cool actually did you work on the schools or the title that come along with this pack no, I didn't. I did not. The one thing Fantasy Flight tends to do is they they like I I've included mechanics in some of the stuff I've written. Um, like uh, for example, in in the Celestial Realms book, I I wrote there's three sh- shrines: um, uh, Shrine to Hante no Kami, the the Kato Shrine that appears in Rob Denton's novella and the lost shrine. I wrote those and there's some mechanics included them and, and fantasy flight basically adopted them. But in other cases, they, they reserve the um, mechanics uh, for themselves because they, they have a better overview. I mean, I create mechanics, but I don't see what mechanics other writers have created or other things. That are, so they may not be compatible. They may not fit, you know? Um, so, so uh, the, the, the fantasy flight folks, or at least, 
whoever does the mechanics, it it generally isn't me. So no, though I I created the the narrative and and uh, the actual stories, but um, the uh, the mechanics are mainly those of uh, Fantasy Flight or somebody else that Fantasy Flight has to do that. Uh, talking about Celestial Realms as a whole, because obviously this is a supplement to, the, or it's it's to showcase Celestial Realm. Uh, was there? Did you have you read that? Have you do you have a particular favorite part of it? I just got my hands on a copy of it yesterday for the first time and, and went through it. I I love the Void stuff. I love the the Ishkin and the um, the, the the Void. Um, I keep wanting to use the term magic, and we're we're supposed to stay away from using the term magic. The, <laughs> the, I think they're called inversions, <laughs> and and they and they and they involve keeping blank dice, which I think is 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 brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I love it. I, I yeah, that, actually. I yeah. think they the the folks who designed that, and I'm not even sure who they were, but whoever they were, I think they knocked that one right out of the park. I read that and I kind of went, "Okay, this is so cool." <laughs> um, so, I mean, I would have bought that book just for that part of it alone. You know, the rest of it is uh, is really good stuff, and there's a lot of really like ancestral swords are in there, and and uh, Although I was, in, boy, I was, I tell you, I was intrigued to note that the ancestral sword of the scorpion seems to exist to kill the scorpion champion if he crosses the line. That, yeah, yeah. That seems to be its purpose, which I thought was, wow, that's really interesting. I, I, I have to talk to Katrina and the folks about that because that, that is really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's, it's a really good, I've, I've liked all the books, uh, but then I'm an L5R fan. So, I mean, I, you know, I probably right. would, but I think the Celestial Realms, you know, they, I think every book has been a little better than the one that's come before it because the, the company is finding its, its, its footing. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what Edge is going to be coming up with, uh, for the, um, remaining books. Well. Thank you so much for coming on, and we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Yep, thank you very, very much. It's been a fantastic conversation. Okay, and, uh, thank you. So, um, is there anything you'd like to plug? Do you have a presence on the internet you'd like to shout out? Anything like that? I'm in the midst of... of uh my my freelance writing career has <laughs> taken off in a big way um but unfortunately i can't talk about most of it so um <laughs> until that gets resolved i don't think i really have anything to plug other than you know go out and, and get your hands on that crab novella it's since i know that people are still in the process of getting it like i say i haven't even had it show up in my store yet so i haven't even <laughs> seen a copy of it it's that exclusive that's right, but uh, yeah, I, I do encourage people to go out and read that because it it will. Uh, it, it I think it's a good story. I'm very proud of it, and I think that it will um, you know add a lot to um, the lore of of the Crab Clan and and the Empire generally. Um, and uh, I you know it's going to be interesting to see where some of the ramifications of that thing go uh, down the road because I I don't think the story of that armor and Sukuni is by any means done for us. We'd like to do a call-out to our Court Games Network, uh, including the L5R LCG podcast and our two actual play role-playing podcasts, which are Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortune and Strife. Our content is funded by the Community Discord Patreon, which supports our editing costs and our website. And I probably shouldn't be doing this. I think this is your stuff. Our content is funded by the Community Discord Patreon, which supports our editing costs as well as our website, where you can sit door and see longer-term information, summaries of our podcasts, role-playing game tools, and more. 
And for our patrons, we've got special bonus content, adventure seeds, we're, and early access to podcast episodes and things like that. And we're going to try and be adding new things such as watch parties in the future. So do come find us there. Online, you can find us at courtgamespod.com. On Twitter, we are twitter.com slash courtgamespod. And we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. That's it for this week. This is Kikita Kaur. May the fortunes favor you. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy. <laughs>